Farewell to a friend, but not the one you might think. Rather, Blanche Kopeck. You're listening to Return to Gilead, a fan podcast for Down Gilead Lane by two new but avid fans of the show. I'm Ryan Matlock. And I'm Michael LaFaver. And you're listening to part two of our review of Free For All by Sarah Ozinski, episode 53 on our Return to Gilead. Grace says, it's not my secret to tell. Even if I could, I wouldn't. Which, if we're jumping to part two now, do you want to jump to part two? Absolutely. Makes me concerned because there's a lot of ways you could apply that. I understand Grace wants to give grace. And hopefully we'll be able to talk with Beth Culp sometime about what is what is the standard that Grace has. But apparently, I'm wondering if that were applied to a situation of abuse or something like that. And somebody in the abusive relationship says, let's keep this a secret between us. Like, this is my secret, so you can't tell anyone. It, that that obviously wouldn't fly. So how no. is so and so? This is obviously different from that. Not as serious as that because it's not an ongoing thing. It's something in the past. But I'm wondering how that standard works that Grace has. Sure. Well, so I would say, like, as far as a standard for an abusive relationship, my way that I would view that is if so, you're an abused person you're you're an abuse victim and your abuser comes to you and says hey i abused you but that's my secret you're not allowed to tell anyone well sorry but there's two people in this abusive relationship and so you as the abused victim have just as much right to share what happened as the abuser does Mm -hmm. now someone who's completely outside of the conflict and doesn't have all the information doesn't have uh, the right to go and spread rumors about it if they don't know the whole story that's where I'd say, like, in that situation, you, uh, the abuse victim has all, all every right to do whatever they need to do to let people right. know. And so, like, if that's the case with Grace versus, like, there's there's an even trickier situation is, what do you do when you know that somebody has been abused, but they say, no, I don't want to to tell anyone? Like, it, like there's cases where there's Stockholm Syndrome, where, like, the person yeah. who's... Uh, being like either kidnapped or abused or whatever, sort of forms uh, an unhealthy attachment to the abuse, uh, the abuser, and sort of doesn't want to turn them in because they care about them. And you, as a bystander, you see this happening, and you know that it's not healthy. Yeah, and that the abuse victim would be better off getting help, and the abuser would be better off getting help and not abusing. <laughs> it's a trolley problem. <laughs> you you see an abusive train going towards an abuse victim. Do you throw the lever and stop it from moving towards the person, but in doing so, disrespect the sanctity of that lever? Well, first off, we need to go back to always speak the truth in love and think carefully about the things you say before you say them. So in any case, sure. that's always something to start off with. But going from there... Even if it's not that kind of an abusive relationship, even if somebody's in it, somebody has the ability to report it but just isn't, then I think you still can talk to people you trust about, hey, I'm concerned about this person. There's a difference between complaining to somebody who can't solve the problem and talking about the problem to somebody who can bring a solution and somebody who you trust. So going to going to your pastor and saying, hey, this person in the church shared this with me. I'm having a, tr- a hard time understanding what's going on here. Can you help me understand the right way to go? And the pastor might even take that information and say, uh, okay, well, let me reach out to this person and see if I can ha- find some elders in the church or some other people who can see if this is a situation we need to, to solve or we can step in and, and help with. 
because there's only so sure. much you can do as as a person. There's only so much you can do not being in the situation yourself. And a lot of times it's it's not necessarily your business. But here in this in these episodes, the Morrison parents are in the best place to step in and help. And they actually did. John stepped in at the end of a case against Grace. That was his direct actions to stop the abuse that was going on from the secrets he learned from Grace. So an exact, I think that's even an exact case of what we're talking about right here. Sure. It's not the past. It's not bringing someone to justice for actions long ago, which is the implications here and what we've learned so far in season four. But it's what's going on right now. And so as far as that goes, I think I'll admit that the Morrison parents have a more holistic view of this than Mr. Key does, because Mr. Key just seems annoyed with the fact that the secrets are kept and that these people haven't been brought to justice. But John and Mary are more concerned about the practical side. So even though they won't tell their kids and even though they're being inconsistent with their kids, they are still doing something about it by talking with Dr. Kramer and trying to put the other pieces together themselves and confronting Tom when he's been wrong on this stuff. Does that all make sense? I think that all makes sense. I think there's still places where I feel still that it's a bit inconsistent. Like, yes, the parents are acting where they should because of the information that they know. But there's a certain discomfort that I have where the parents know this information, but the kids don't. And that's when the kids have definitely, I think, shown themselves to be pretty responsible with what they're given when it comes like when it comes to things that the kids don't know that's when they mess up Mm -hmm. but when there's things that the kids do know the kids have shown that they generally once they know something whether it's a lesson or whether it's something that's right or wrong they don't renege on that lightly yeah example being Every lesson they've ever learned. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with Brooke and Ms. Kopech in this episode, we have a direct example. She takes it to her parents because she's having a hard time dealing with it. And her parents applaud her for the way that she talked with Ms. Kopech, which was great. And uh, did she? She didn't. She gives her a hug at the end of the episode. It's not in that scene, right? And that's a neat little moment right there. Yeah, because we haven't seen Ms. Kopech develop on, like, to become Brooke's friend. We've seen it from Maya's perspective. Which is interesting. We see a couple scenes in this episode from either Ms. Kopech's perspective or from Maya's perspective, which is cool. And we kind of saw that at the beginning of season three. Perspectives are starting to shift between protagonists, and I like that. But here, we see that one scene between Brooke and Ms. Kopech. Brooke hasn't seen this development, and all of a sudden, she's starting to seem like a softer person. Still kind of rough around the edges, but then Brooke gives her a hug. And it's kind of an awkward moment because Ms. Kopech goes, ah, well, there we go. Anyway, after the hug, <laughs> like that was kind of I haven't weird. hugged someone in 80 years. <laughs> She's touch starved, you might say. Anyway, <laughs> you were saying about the kids. Yeah. This example with Miss Kopech is a perfect example of the case I've had that the kids aren't going to be irresponsible with information. We don't hear any episodes in the future where the kids are like, well, yeah, Miss Kopech had a kid once and gave it up for adoption. Ah! Or, or anything like that. Yeah. Like, they have this secret. Apparently, all the kids are going to be told later so that they don't get the wrong idea or anything. And now that they know the truth, we never hear of them misusing that information in the future. Which is why I think that it's a weird decision on Grace's part to withhold that information from the kids, but tell the parents 
And then for so many things to happen that the kids are clearly like seeing that things are weird and there's something yeah. going on in the background. Like it would help, I think, that them handling Mr. Key and handling Ms. Kopeck and sure. Mrs. Richter and everyone. Yeah. If they knew why everyone's being so toxic, if they had an idea of, oh, yeah, these people are just trying to protect information and that makes perfect sense and it's not something to get bent out of shape with well at the beginning of the series i think i mentioned this before grace doesn't know whether or not the kids can keep secrets but that definitely is something the parents can know and based on the kids reactions throughout the series i don't think they all of a sudden just learned how to keep secrets we've seen that they can keep secrets based on their characters and based on their motivations and what they've either come to learn through the opening episodes of the show or even before then. So Grace, at this point, still not sharing it with them, seems like she's never going to share it. But John thinks it'll eventually get out. And in the meantime, the kids are going to Mr. Key, who really wants it to get out, but he's not able to let it out. And Grace saying that Mr. Key's place has always been a safe space for friends to share secrets or something seems like she might, I don't know. It seems like she's putting a little bit of pressure on Mr. Key to, to keep that secret, even though he's yes, okay with it. it well, oh, it's sort of okay with that it. she puts pressure on him to keep the secret and that she continually maybe discusses it with him? Yeah. Whether that's him leading that discussion or her, I'm not sure. It might be. It's probably him. But the point being, <laughs> that was a very interesting line when she says in the, her most buttery voice, Mr. Key's place has always been a safe place to keep secrets. It seems like it's For not... For friends to take their confidences. She's not saying that to the kids at all. She's saying it to him. <laughs> she and turns that seems to Mr. very Key. passive. Not, a, not, not passive-aggressive, but definitely not passive-pleasant oh, either. <laughs> I, I wrote down passive-aggressive is what I, what I felt like because she comes out of the house and she goes, it's a beautiful day, isn't it? Birds are singing, flowers are blooming. On days like these, <laughs> kids like you should be in the peace of heaven's the community center. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no. I hope that the people who listen to this podcast know what that's a reference to. <laughs> Either one of those. You don't know what we're referencing anyway. Yes. So in this one, Grace is really nosy in a way that is also feels like a double standard where they say, oh, we just want oh, to talk yeah. to Mr. Key. And they're obviously being cagey. Oh, yeah. She goes, really? What do you want to talk about? about? Like, and then she says it's a place for safe space for friends to keep their confidences. And I'm like, but and the kids you- just return to Grace like, sorry, Grace, but Mr. Key's <laughs> place is a good place for us to keep confidences. You should leave. <laughs> I can understand with the previous episodes that we've had, like, we didn't even talk about this in the Fish and Slips review, but Grace talks with Mr. Key about you need to let go of the past, that she has this relationship with him, and, and yeah, she can be discussing it with him. But again, I don't think that we're supposed to think that Grace is right. I think what these episodes are building to and the constant pushbacks are that the Morrison parents aren't right in Insomniacs, that Grace doesn't have to be right. We don't know if she is or not, but that doesn't have to be the right call. All of these keeping secrets from the kids, because naturally Hmm. we as the audience want that. And to think that's not a really great story structure. If the first four seasons of the show or the, the, I guess seasons two, three, and four, all the secrets that the kids are trying to uncover and that we, as the audience want to uncover to have us be the enemy seems like a wrongdoing because I don't think that's what the final episodes of the season, when finally the secrets are revealed 
I don't think that's what those episodes are saying. We've seen that a couple times in Odyssey, I think was part of our discussion uh, back in 2020, that we're not supposed to be the bad guys in this story. Our desire to see these secrets is good. And the kids might be affected by nosiness. Maybe, maybe it's not great. But Grace definitely isn't fully in the right here. And that's where I want to come down before the finale, before we get into everything being revealed in that whole arc, before we even like preview talk to Beth Culp about this stuff. I, I want to come down and say that, that that's my conclusion here. That's your thesis. Yeah, that's my thesis is that Beth Culp is way, way. I mean, I've already said she's smart. She's way, way smarter than I'm giving her credit for in those 8, early episodes. IQ. No one's right. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are wrong. See ya. Jets out. I don't know. I think these episodes were made to make us think and also not to push a particular perspective. So even though we're hearing the parents say this and Mm. hearing Grace say this, we are supposed to identify with the kids too. So whatever perspective we come down on, as long as it doesn't violate a moral standard or violate a something where someone's been hurt here by the keeping of the secret because grace has her values of grace and truth valuing grace over truth in this scenario because of her actions in this episode we sort of see a worse side of it but it's still not bad she's not a bad character she's not she's not evil it's just probably not the best choice overall for her to make i don't despise her for it though does that make sense uh yes yes i think the There's a point in the episodes to come where I think it will move from being a preference issue to a moral issue. And there's there's two distinct things there. A preference issue is a place where two people disagree, but it's not on something moral. So, like, I want Mm -hmm. chocolate, someone else wants vanilla, that's a preference issue. When the person says... Oh, you like chocolate? Chocolate is of the devil. You're wrong for that. It's devil's food. Now we've moved into they're making a moral judgment. And even though it's technically still a preference issue at the surface, the way that they are treating it is as a moral issue, which in and of itself becomes wrong. Because when you treat a preference issue as a moral issue and judge people as such, you are judging people by a standard that you can't even uh, live up to. And the Bible has things to say about that. Mm-hmm. And so that's where like, I'm going to be interested to re-listen to the episodes in the climax to come, because I do think there's a point where this preference issue of Grace saying, well, I prefer not to give up the secret, and the kids saying, well, we would prefer to understand the secret, turns into a place where one of those groups is making a moral judgment about whether that was okay or not. Right, right. But that's at the point where we're not in this stasis point that we've been where we've been in since right. season 1 of the secrets aren't revealed and we don't actually know anything except that Tom was involved and we know that as the audience but the Morrison kids don't even know that. So sure. from there, we actually in the very next episode things escalate a lot. So the and again the audience learns what happened in the episode after the next one before the kids even find out and as soon as the kids find out as soon as it starts to become a moral issue things are all revealed and the truth does come out so I yeah. think even Grace and the parents understand that there is a limit somewhere mm-hmm. anyway enough about the future episodes can we listen to the clip of the day for the for this episode yeah let's do it <laughs> but but she still could have said goodbye she was my friend Brooke you don't just leave. 
I know. But just... You're right, Maya. I should have said goodbye. <sighs> and I am your friend. Miss Kopak! But I thought you said that A you're... woman has a right to change your mind, doesn't she? <sighs> yeah, I think she does. I'll see you later, Maya. Okay. Bye, Brooke. Thanks for bringing me the letter. And for talking with me. <laughs> you're welcome. I'm glad it wasn't your only surprise. Bye, Miss Kopeck. Goodbye, Brooke. Are you really leaving, Miss Kopeck? I'm afraid so, Maya. But what about our lunches at the Sunrise Grill? Those were great memories, weren't they? I sure am glad we have them. Me too, but I still wish you weren't leaving. I know, Maya. But I'm afraid I have to. There's only so much I can include in these clips to avoid rehashing a whole episode. But just right. from that bit of the ending of Brooks and Maya's conversation to the beginning of Maya's and Ms. Kopech's conversation, Ms. Kopech left Maya a letter. Maya gets the letter, and instantly, Elise Azkul is acting so good. She breaks down. We hear her talking with Brooke and Brooke trying to console her, and Brooke saying, well, God's doing a work in her life. She had to go, had to leave so that she could find the truth. And then we hear Maya start to break down, and then Ms. Kopech, in a, a stunning uh, emotional return, comes up. And I wasn't expecting this the first time I heard this. Her coming back and getting one last scene of her emotionally interacting with Maya in a way that we didn't hear in the previous scene with Brooke really cements this as an arc and shows this is the final scene in Ms. Kopech's character arc in a really, really great way. Yeah. The music builds on that really well, too, because Steve Wick, wonderful guy. Some of that music where Brooke is leaving, I love those chords right there, leading in to that final conversation and Ms. Kopech's acting. I still don't know if I know her actress's name, but it's really, really solid. And then the final lines of the episode were so powerful. So for me, this episode may have started out a little bit strange with the raccoon storyline, but the Ms. Kopech through line and all of that is something I really appreciated. Yeah, yeah, I think the the value in the raccoon storyline, aside from just being kind of a cute storyline by itself, is that the length of time that you might be taking care of raccoon babies is enough to keep in the audience's mind right. the passage of time, so that it doesn't seem like Miss Kopech takes uh, Maya out for lunch three times and then leaves <laughs> because that would be kind of like, okay, Monday to Wednesday, things escalated really quickly, but with the passage of time with literal animals growing and marking that passage of time, that helps to keep the audience feeling like this is taking longer. I don't know if that was intentional on Sarah Ozinski's part to, to frame it that way, but if it was, oh, that's definitely. a stroke of genius. Yeah, it's it's great. I wouldn't say that it, it was an accident at all because, well, I'm trying to think. Doesn't the first episode say that the raccoons, that the veterinarian isn't going to be available until the next week, so they're going to keep them for just the weekend? Something like that. So isn't it only just a couple days that Ms. Kopech is spending with Maya? Well, well, no, no, no. So they say we won't be able to take them to the veterinarian even until the, like, basically that's the excuse that they give to, well, we've got to keep the raccoons at least for now. And then Justin does the research. And I think they don't necessarily go to the veterinarian immediately. I think, but even if it were shorter, we get so much development in those scenes 
with Maya and Ms. Kopech, and we see the contrast between them. Even if we don't see the development during them, we see the development through them. So that's why it feels like a passage of time, that we're, we're definitely yeah. not seeing every occasion of them spending time together, and maybe it feels like they are, even if they aren't. But we definitely see it through Ms. Kopech's reactions to Monica and her reaction in the clip of the day from the previous episode, where she is starting to care for Maya, and as we care for Maya, so she's seen why we care for Maya because she's a great character in on the show she's a great she's a great girl as far as her her personality goes and if her mom can't see that then Miss Kopech certainly can and Miss Kopech has seen that by taking her out to lunch and stuff so that's that's great uh, all that to say passes the time I'm not sure if it's super important but yeah yeah I see what you mean yeah last thing here is that Maya plays tennis now or is taking tennis lessons and that makes me happy because I play tennis nice you should come teach me, because I tried to play tennis when I was a kid, and I don't think I ever was very good. Ooh. How about we go ahead and cut off our review of Free For All right there? Sounds good. Well, we are entering the final three episodes yes! of this album. I am still trying to figure out how we're going to review these next three episodes, whether it's going to be one long review of all three together, or whether we're going to do extended reviews of each of them. But... Definitely look forward to an extended review of some of these episodes coming up. If you're looking forward to those episodes, you can leave us a voice message. Ryan, how can they do that? They can go to anchor.fm slash return to Gilead, where yep. they'll find all of our episodes, a way to leave a voice message, and our link tree, where they can find all other necessary links for them to go and look at every single one. Like, seriously, go yeah. to the link tree, click on every single one. They're all interesting. Then favorite them. Add them to the tabs on the top of your Chrome browser or whatever. Uh, make sure to forward them to all your friends in a chain letter. And then, just for good measure, make sure that you message them to your friends on Facebook Messenger or whatever messaging app you use. Or, you know, if you don't want to go to all that trouble, you could just view them yourself. And that's not as fun, though. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, we're going to be reviewing either the season four finale or the episode Sunrise Upset. Wait, it's called Upset? Yes. What did you think it was? I thought it was Sunrise Sunset. No, that's the pun. Oh. With that well, said, I'm Michael. No, I'm sub I'm upset about this. I am Sunrise <laughs> Upset about this. Okay, anyway, I'm Ryan. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time as we head into the season four finale on our return to Gilead. We have Anna Townsend in these episodes. Oh, yeah. And she does nothing. A, she does. N okay. So later, sorry, audience, you're getting a spoiler alert. But here's the no. thing. Later, Anna, Anna's mad at Maya for existing in the first album. And here she's like at a Bible study comforting her. Is there a continuity error? What is happening? Oh, yeah, Laurie Twitchell. I have a question about that. Um, did you Laurie! listen to this episode? Yeah, I know you're listening, Laurie. Like, actually, I know you're it listening. It was very so minor. It was it was so short <laughs> on Anna's line. Good point. Um, I will forward this to Laurie and see if she actually has a comment on that. <laughs> hey, Laurie, send in a voice message. <laughs> Tell us what you what what happened in that one season nine episode, please. I think it was season nine. Yeah. Okay.